Thank you for tuning in to the best parenting show on the internet. Post Daily Dose. Institute. This is Christy Saul, the co-founder, coming at you live with the best little parenting show on the internet. <clears throat> oh, got a little tickle. Hope you guys are doing great this Friday. Uh, one week from today is Christmas. I hope you guys are all ready and looking forward to it. I want to plug these two books real quick. <coughs> Excuse me, Brian's book, From Fear to Love, and his other book, The Great Behavior Breakdown. You can find this. My goodness, at postinstitute.com, as well as Amazon, we have this on promotion. <coughs> I am just going to have to pause. <coughs> of course, you know, right when I come on live, I get a little tickle in my throat. <coughs> have no fear, I am healthy, as best I know anyway. <coughs> Don't you hate that? You know how that happens like when you're at the table and you get choked? Oh my goodness, and you just have to pause and catch your breath. <clears throat> so thank you for your grace as always, my goodness. <coughs> Tickle, okay, I think I'm good. I think I've got it cleared out. So my topic tonight, man, I gave you a minute to catch on though. <laughs> good to see everybody tuned in live. Um, I think it was yesterday, maybe the day before I posted um, a quote that um, Brian has said over the years. In fact, it was the title of one of his first DVD sets. Um, and the, the, the quote is, listen to behavior, respond to emotion. And Alex asked, what do you mean by that? So first, I wanna talk a little bit about our model that we work from in parenting, or just even understanding humanity, understanding our responses. Um, <clears throat> And this is a model that was developed by Brian, and he refers to it as the stress model. And what the stress model says is, let me see if I, I can't quote it as well as he does. Uh, so I have to picture the uh, diagram in my mind. So we have two primary emotions, love and fear. Beneath love and fear is a stimulus. So that could be something external, but it could also be something internal. It could be a thought. It could be a memory. It could be um, even digestion because people, uh, a lot of people have trauma around food um, and around starvation and a lack of food. And so we have a stimulus and we either respond to that stimulus from a place of love or a place of fear. And then above that is behavior. So we have stimulus, feelings, and then behavior. And so when we are listening to behavior, 
but we're responding to emotion. We are responding to the emotion that's driving that behavior. And that's going to be pretty simple. It's in either going to be an emotion of love or an emotion of fear. Now, a lot of times people think about sadness and they think about anger and they think about jealousy and they think about rage and uh, they think about all kinds of feelings but those feelings are rooted what are what they're deeply rooted in is either love or fear and i love what brian says he makes it pretty simple when he says if it doesn't look like love if it doesn't feel like love then you can pretty well bet that it's coming from a place of fear now that's like the big umbrella, right? So you can use that big umbrella to think about a lot of different behaviors. Um, but I want to give some really some examples. And actually what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a post that I wrote actually in January of 2018 as I'm looking at it. And it's pinned to the top of our um, Post Institute Facebook page, but I'm just going to read it. Um, zero to five trauma affects the blueprints of the brain and the limbs of life and the lens of life dot 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 and then it just I'm going to read through this list that has different behaviors and things that we might want to think about I'm not a picky eater I was malnourished as a child be understanding I'm not a liar I was beaten for writing on the walls when my parents were high be understanding I'm not promiscuous. An adult was playing with my privates since I was three. Be understanding. I'm not a slob. I save things because when I was in foster care and every time I moved, I lost everything. Be understanding. I'm, I'm not defiant. I've been in charge of my life and my siblings since I was four. Be understanding. I don't have ADHD, ADHD, I just notice everything around me because you never know what's going to happen. Then I can hide if I need to. Be understanding. I'm not resistant to doing my work. Yesterday I felt like a regular 13 year old and today my head is buzzing with worry. I'm tired and I feel like I'm two. My parents are fighting and I feel little again. Be understanding. I don't have bad hygiene. I grew up without toilet paper. Most of the time we didn't have warm water. Be understanding. I'm not oppositional. My mom smoked meth while I was pregnant. While she was pregnant, it changed my brain in a way that doctors don't even understand yet. Be understanding. I don't hate you. I'm 10 and I've been in 12 different foster homes. I don't even know you and I'm not sure I even know me. Be understanding. I'm not cutting myself just for attention. I have a pain so deep, I'm trying to understand it. Be understanding. So the point of that post is to demonstrate lots of different behaviors that children who come from tough places demonstrate. And possible roots, possible things. These, these are not absolutes. Actually, everything that's written in here, though, are things that I've actually seen, stories that I've actually heard. There could be other stories. There could be other root causes um, that brought the fear into play. Um, so the, the point of listen to behavior, listen to behavior, respond to the emotion is that oftentimes in our world, behavior gets assigned these really negative intentions. Um, like our kids are just acting out to just because they need attention versus the idea that children really need our attention 
or that someone is lying just to be manipulative and controlling when in fact rooted in the lie, beyond the lie, underneath that is fear, fear of disappointment. And if I disappoint you, then I might uh, be kicked out. I might have to leave. Um, defiance, that's a big one. Um, and defiance can be rooted in a lot of different stories, but underneath that is fear. Um, and when we think about fear, we have to think about our kids may not identify it as fear. They might not be able to say, I'm scared of. But we're talking about fear at the brain level. We're talking about that release of the stress hormone cortisol and how that cortisol can flood the brain and, and take us into fight, flight, freeze, and fawn and how difficult it is, how very difficult it is for a person to consider have any consideration for another person's experience when they are living in a place of survival. We really have to understand how deeply rooted all of that is and how these triggers, these environmental triggers that are underneath in that stress model, right? How these environmental triggers that you, they may have no effect on you. You might not even notice them because your brain's not sensitive like that. But how for a child who's come from trauma or a person who's come from trauma, how sensitive their brain is all for the purpose of self-protection. And so from that place of self-protection, there comes, that's where that fear stems from. And then that's where those behaviors come from. So when we listen to behavior, but we respond to emotion, our responses are an effort to create a foundation that feels secure for our children. What that looks like is different for every family. That's the beautiful thing about this model is it's not... We're not dictating what you say word for word or anything like that. We're talking about the position of your heart. And when you have this understanding in your heart, it creates so much space for you and your child to get into relationship. I can remember when we were operating our group homes in Virginia, and I can remember one of the first, uh, probably one of the first weeks that I was working frontline and it was just phenomenal because we could have the most authentic, real, just straightforward sorts of ways of relating because these kids knew we really cared about them. They, we had, you know, we had policies that said, we're not going to restrain you. We're not going to put our hands on you. We're not going to keep points. This isn't about that. We're going to do everything we can to help you feel successful. And we understand that most of those kids had literally been in treatment centers for years and years. They had no real clue how to manage their emotions. That when you're in a treatment center and you have an emotional outburst, thinking about the stress model, right? There's not really any understanding about that. There's, you get restrained and your medications get upped and they use, they use chemical restraints to help people, to help manage external managing of the emotions. So there's no development of the internal locus of control. And so knowing that with these teenagers coming in and having their first experiences in years since they were like little children. And so it was our job to help them, help them get used to being in the world again and handling the stimulation and handling their emotions as they came up. And because they really understood and believed how much we cared 
cared about them, we could just be like really direct and straight up and loving and have these great conversations. And it was just, it was so incredible. It was such an incredible experience. And, you know, I talked to, um, I had a conversation with a young man who is um, in the program that Brian's operating up in California. And he said to me, yeah, this is this is like nothing else I've ever experienced. He said, I have so much anxiety. I came here with so much anxiety, and now I feel it going away. I feel it just reducing because I know that that I'm heard, that people are really listening to what I'm saying. And when even when my words can't say it, it's like they just it's just like they just know. And I'll tell you, that's a beautiful, that is such a beautiful compliment from a teenager. Michelle said, thank you for sharing. Sometimes we need a reminder of their trauma. Yeah, we do. We get, you know, we get so busy just living life. And and it's a beautiful thing that we can just, you know, have so many moments of just living life. But as Brian reminds us, never, ever underestimate the influence of trauma. I think, you know, that's why I love the books so much. This one is really my favorite. I keep bringing it up and I keep talking about it. But what I really love about it is it is just, it's written in such simple terms and it's written in a way that can always help bring us back to this place of understanding and remembering. And the chapters are really short, like literally three, four pages. And at the back of every chapter, there's this place that has bullet points. And, you know, Michelle, follow our Facebook page if you're not already, um, because every day we're trying to equip you. Every day we want to try to build you all up in some way, because what parents do in the day in and day out, that's where the real healing happens. You all are amazing. We have so much appreciation for what you guys do in your families, for the efforts that you put in to create healing. And, you know, I want you guys to know that, you know, this this model, you know, if you saw Brian in action, you would just be cracking up. You know, if you saw, you know, and, and how I apply this model really depends on who I'm talking to, the child and kind of what their language is. And so, you know, I say I'm bilingual because, you know, if I need to talk a little street, I'll talk a little street. If that's if that's the language you hear and that's the language you understand, then, you know, I'll speak whatever language I need to so that we can be in relationship. So it's not like we're all sitting around being like, um, little monk gurus in perfect harmony, you know, like, it's like, it's just being very human, you know, being raw, being human, being, being vulnerable. And, you know, sometimes I, I lose my cool, but I know when I lose my cool, I understand that it really has more to do with me. It has more to do with my own fears, my fears of, am I good enough? My fear of, oh my God, if we're late, you know, what's going to happen? And they're going to think I'm a bad parent. And, you know, um, when I knew this was going to be my topic tonight, I actually pulled this book out. This is an oldie, but a goodie. Um, And the the picture's on the back. Look how cute. Look how cute young Brian is. And look, Heather Forbes. If you don't know Heather Forbes, she is amazing. But what this book does is really cool because it takes some very, um, very common behaviors that children demonstrate and it compares 
the traditional view to a new view, to a, to a view based in the stress model. And it can really help us understand how strong the dominant story is. And stepping outside of the dominant story also means stepping outside of our own blueprints because most of us experienced blueprints of parenting that didn't have this level of understanding and compassion. And so, you know, we really understand that, you know, what we're asking or what we're teaching is new. What we're, what we're asking and teaching parents is outside of what you've experienced. And because of that, it takes a lot of repetition a lot of repetition. Um, you know, we're our learning processes are the same as our children. You know, it's repetition, and when you can when you combine repetition with emotional impact, then you have these experiences that really stick. And so, I hope that you guys have emotional experiences in your house where you get to apply this model. Like Brian says, those difficult moments are really incredible opportunities to create healing and to build a relationship with your child that's really founded in safety and security in a way that they are desperately craving. And so um, I just want to make sure I let you guys know, we know this isn't easy. This is not easy stuff. So um, hang in there, you know. When the days are rough, try to keep them gentle. Try to keep them as simple as you can. Take time for yourself. Try to fill your cup. I know, you know, with quarantine, it, it can be hard to find ways to fill your cup. But um, hopefully by now, you've come up with some little, some little solutions that can help you continue to um, stay grounded, to be able to stay rooted in love, to continue to um, strive to build those sort of relationships where your children really know that you've got their back. That may not mean we always are in agreement, but they know that you're on their side and that you're never going to give up on them. And so thank you guys for tuning in. Amber, it's great to see you. Carrie, thanks for saying hello. I love seeing you on every night. It's just so awesome. Uh, I hope one day we actually get to meet. That would be really cool, wouldn't it? So, um, I'm going to close tonight by reminding you what Brian tells us, that in any given moment, we have two choices. We can act out of those same blueprints and the stress model of stress, fear, and overwhelm. Or we can take one to two to three deep breaths. And we can choose love. Much love to you guys. I hope you guys have a blessed weekend. And we'll see you on next live on weekdays at 6.30 Central Time on Facebook at the Post Institute. Don't forget to get your copy of Brian's best-selling book, From Fear to Love, on promotion. Just pay shipping and handling at www.feartolovebook.com. That's www.feartolovebook.com.